Welcome to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now get ready for another episode of Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. On this show, I'll be bringing you brand new mind-blowing content, news, exercises, and weird experiments you can do at home, and a lot more. And on this edition of the show, I want to share with you some strange stories that help to inspire the direction of my life as a professional paranormal investigator. This goes way back for me. Back to when I was a teenager, I grew up in the mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. That's where I was born and raised. I was always an unusual kid. I started writing my first published book when I was 14 years old. By the time I graduated high school, I had published three books. I wrote for the local newspaper. I also had a column in the school newspaper called Strange But True. Pretty basic Ripley's Believe It or Not kind of stuff. And I guess around the time I was working on that, I I started really enjoying this concept of just sort of offbeat, strange, esoteric subjects. And I got this idea to create a book called Speaking of Strange. And if that sounds familiar to you, it is because that years later, I would actually create a radio show called Speaking of Strange. And the name of the show came straight from the name of the book. And um, of course, that ran for many, many years on the station there in Asheville, uh, News Radio 570, WWNC, and however, the book, Speaking of Strange, was published in 1994, and it's subtitled, Residents of the Western North Carolina Mountains Tale of Their Encounters with the Unexplained. So this is different than the other two books I published when I was in high school, in middle school and all that. I I published my first when I was, I guess, in middle school and um, then the other two in high school. The first book I wrote was a book of fictional, scary short stories and poems. And then the other book that I wrote was a book uh, that was a nonfiction book about ghosts. But this book is an anthology. I decided to collect stories from people all over my region about just strange stuff 
that has happened to them. Not necessarily creepy. I mean, trust me. I I said it's it's wide open. Tell me about ghosts and UFOs and Bigfoot and weirdo experiences that are, are are traditionally paranormal but feel free to open your mind let's get into the strangest territory possible and not everything has to have a neat little ending that we tie together at the end with the bow you know and so what i did was travel around my region and i primarily put posters up at uh, well, wherever there was a bulletin board, but mainly bookstores seemed like a good match. You know, people who go to bookstores, they're literate and they're into that sort of thing. So maybe they would feel you know, more inclined to write an experience they've had and send it to me. So I put posters all over town. I may have run an ad in one of the local papers. I don't remember. But I didn't do a heck of a lot considering the enormous surge of mail that flooded into my mailbox. And it was wonderful. And so I realized very quickly, this is not going to be hard at all. And so sure enough, I went through and I typed up these stories and I got permission from everybody and edited them and uh, hired Tim Peterson, my good buddy, to illustrate it. And before you know it, Boom, we had this book called Speaking of Strange. It came out. It was a big seller. Now, however, the book is out of print because, unfortunately, I ended up having a problem with the publisher back in the day. And we, we, we had some disagreements about things, but we got it worked out. We're all cool now. And actually, maybe someday this book could come back into print. But I realized the other day that I don't even have a copy of this book. Uh, at least here at my place in Vegas. And it's so rare that uh, I kind of keep an eye out for it once in a while. And it popped up on eBay. And uh, so I bought it. So I have this copy of Speaking of Strange in my hands. And it at the bottom, it says Mountain Ghosts, Haints, and Other Unexplained Happenings. Now, if you don't know what a haint is, that's what a lot of the old timers in the Appalachian Mountains refer to as, well, a, a haunt, a ghost. So a, a ghost is a haint. Mountain ghost haints and other unexplained happenings. So I guess ghost and haints could be a little redundant. But anyway, haints is mainly like, like a haunted place. So I'm just going to read to you some of the stories that I collected. And I enjoyed doing this so much that, again, this is one of those things that solidified the direction that my life would take. So I did this book called Speaking of Strange, and then I did a radio show called Speaking of Strange, and now I'm hosting this podcast called Strange Things. So I have a wonderful relationship with this word strange, and uh, I encourage it and I adore it. So I'm just going to flip through here. And you're never going to know exactly where the story is going. I, I, I want to, to set it up for you like that. They're all fairly short. And I actually wrote a foreword to this book. And I'm not going to read that, but I put this quote at the beginning of my foreword. It's a quote by Mark Twain. Quote, of course, truth is stranger than fiction. Fiction has to make sense, end quote. By the way, my friend Murray the Magician here in Las Vegas said that he is uh, related somehow to Mark Twain. I don't think he realized the true significance of that. Mark Twain was just such a literary giant. What's interesting about Murray is he's from Canada. 
So anyway, uh, I'm just going to start reading these. And if we run into a break, then I'll pause and I'll come back after the break. This first one was sent to me by Julie Bush, Candler, North Carolina. She wrote, it happened in New York on a beautiful sunny day. Spring had come at long last. The carnival had come to our neighborhood, and I must have been around eight or nine. My cousin Eddie was with me. He was a year older than me, and we spent our weekends together exploring the wilds of the concrete jungle. How a child loves a carnival, and I was no different than any other. We had been having a great time on the rides and playing those carnival games that kids have so much playing until our money ran out. There was a park nearby, and I thought to myself how beautiful the green grass looked and the leaves back on the trees where they belonged. I love that season. It just makes me feel so good. It was fun being outside and playing without all those heavy winter clothes. Such a lovely day for a carnival. The breath of spring was in the air. We wanted to keep on having fun, but we needed money. We had run out. I told my cousin that we should go to the park, kneel down, and pray to Jesus that he give both of us more money so that we could keep on having fun. We went, and we both kneeled down, closed our eyes, and prayed to Jesus. My prayers always started out, please, dear Jesus, and then I would pray. When I finished my prayer, I told my cousin to start digging and we would find money. Where I was kneeling, I started digging. I had found a spot with soft dirt and it was easy to dig. I immediately found a huge pile of change. Thank you, dear Jesus, I said. I started yelling to Eddie, who was about 20 feet away. I found it. I found it. He didn't find any, but that was okay. What I had found was enough for both of us to finish out that beautiful spring day at the carnival. It was a day that I would never forget. It was a day that my angel wanted me to keep on having. I won a piggy bank <laughs> and got home at dark. My mom was upset because we were late. I told her what had happened, but until this day... I don't think that she ever believed me. <laughs> Isn't that a sweet little story from Julie Bosch of Candler? She didn't mention what year that took place. And again, this book was published in 94. And so, you know, a lot of the people who wrote stories were probably up there in years uh, themselves at the time. So that may have been a long time ago. So indeed, um, Let's see here. We're going to sort of bounce in all over uh, into different subject matter. But, you know, one thing I want to mention to you about the story I just read is it's interesting to me how many people want to wish or pray for money. And they say, I want a million dollars. That's usually what they say. I want a million dollars. I got an email yesterday from a guy who said, I want a wishing machine and I want to program it to get a hundred million dollars. That's what he said, $100 million. But you know what? Why don't you think more about what you need right now, right? What you need right now, like, like she did. She thought, you know what? I just want to have a good day today, and I want to have enough money so we can enjoy a fun experience here at the carnival. And 
Sometimes if you're a little more realistic and you, you just say, look, I don't need to own five mansions and two yachts and all that to be happy. Let's just take this in steps and let's look at what I need right now that's right in front of me and let's focus on that. And if you're kind of reasonable, then you can accrue whatever you need whenever you need it. But that is a lesson from the mind of a child that all of us need to remember even as an adult, no matter how stressful it may get for you sometimes financially. If you love amazing pictures, videos, and breaking content, be sure to sign up for my free e-newsletter at joshuapwarren.com. It takes two seconds, and you'll instantly receive a free digital good luck charm and instructions on how to cheaply make aura glasses at home that might allow you to see the other side. And on my website, take a look at the Curiosity Shop to find rare, amazing things you will not find anywhere else in the world. There is no period after the P in JoshuaPWarren.com. I am Joshua P. Warren, and you're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be right back after this. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash strange things today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash strange things. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. We are happy to announce that our Coast to Coast AM official YouTube channel has now reached over 300,000 subscribers. You can listen to the first hour of recent and past shows for free. So head on over to the coasttocoastam.com website and hit the YouTube icon at the top of the page. This is free show audio, so don't wait. Coasttocoastam.com is where you want to be. Did you know that tests that could save your life from cancer are now available for little or no cost thanks to the health care law called the Affordable Care Act? Let this be the year you get screening tests that can detect cancer early when it's most treatable. Don't let concerns get in the way. Talk to a doctor or other medical professional to learn more about the best cancer testing options for you. Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, the Wizard of Weird, beaming into your wormhole brain from my studio in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, where every day is golden and every night is silver. When I was putting together this anthology back in 1994 called Speaking of Strange, this regional book, I even was able to get some stories from some of my teachers in high school. One of them was my English teacher, Mr. Voiles, David Voiles. And you know what? He and I are still friends. We're still in touch. He's retired from teaching now, but he is still writing books and poems and all kinds of stuff like that. And uh, he also throws the coolest Halloween party in Asheville, North Carolina, or the, the, the general Asheville area every year. Everybody's fighting over an invitation to David Voyle's Halloween party. He's one of those guys who goes over the top, spends months preparing, and when you go there, it's like you have arrived at a theme park. So here is the story that he contributed to the book, David Voyle's from Swannanoa, North Carolina. He wrote, Actually, I like animals. I really do. Even cats. But somehow I prefer the company of dogs to cats. Cats have that sneaky, quiet quality about them that gives people reason to believe that they actually could be companions to witches and devils, as the old folks' tales so wisely tell us. 
Let's say you hear the crash of your pattern antique china hitting the floor where moments before your cat had been investigating. When you pop your head through the doorway, wild-eyed to see what happened, you'll only see your feline friend sitting calmly several feet from the scene of the crime, tail wrapped around itself, paw poised in midair, apparently only temporarily distracted from its bathing, who will turn to you, blink slowly, and resume its licking as if nothing had happened. Obviously a devious, if not downright demonic, being. On the other hand, a dog who has dislodged your china from the shelf, perhaps because it suddenly found the ivy pattern embossed in its shiny surface to be a mortal threat to you, would be profoundly wagging its tail, frequently turning its head from the shattered pieces to your horrified gaze, expecting praise for its daring deed. A stupid creature, maybe, but one that is definitely of this earth. Since you know my philosophical observations about the nature of dogs and cats, perhaps you, like me, will find it strange that the only supernatural experience I ever had involved a dog. A very typically dumb dog at that. I have always wanted one of those dogs like you used to see in the old Disney movies. You know the kind, I mean. Those dogs never dug up the rhododendron bushes five minutes after you have spent seven long, back-breaking hours planting them. They never barked in the middle of the night, unless it was when robbers were trying to break into your house, or when the neighbor's little blind child had fallen down the well. And they never, and I repeat, never went to the bathroom on the brand new Persian carpet in the living room. Somehow, I have never owned a dog like that. The dogs in my life has, have always chewed up every new pair of shoes I bought, barked constantly throughout the night every time the slightest breeze blew, and as to the Persian rug, well, I don't want to talk about that. And the disgusting things they dragged home. Maggie, a lovable but not particularly bright pound puppy we adopted, was no exception. As a matter of fact, she was the rule. She loved to root about in the neighbor's trash and bring me her newly found treasures. As a result, I found myself the recipient of used diapers, garbage bags, filled with someone else's garbage, no less, and finally, even a hog's head. My wife and I live in the country, and one of our neighbors has livestock, including pigs. I suppose that one hot summer day, he had slaughtered a hog and deposited the incredible, excuse me, the inedible remains <laughs> not far from our house. As I happened to glance out the window of the study where I was working, I noticed that Maggie had been amusing herself with unusual concentration, considering her rather limited attention span by playing with an unfamiliar object. Now, I haven't, had not given it any real thought until my uh, four-year-old son came in and said, Daddy, there's a pig face in the yard. Imagine my delight at finding the freshly decapitated head of a rather large hog on my sidewalk. I quickly got a shovel, carried the hog's head to a steep hill on the edge of our property, and pitched it over the barbed wire fence where it rolled down a ravine to its final resting place, or so I hoped. About a week later, when we had guests visiting us for the weekend, 
We all awakened to a rather unpleasant odor drifting into the house from the windows, which had been opened to allow in that wonderful, cool mountain air. We had suffered from nocturnal visits from a family of skunks before, but this smell was even more revolting. The mystery of its origin was solved, though, when my son reported, Daddy, the pig face is back. Now, you can easily imagine how that hog's head looked after lying in the hot summer sun for a week. And if you know anything about dogs, you can probably also imagine who is standing proudly over it, tail wagging, as if to say, look what I found. I fetched my shovel and gas mask, had my son take Maggie inside the house and hope that she would be distracted from her new toy, and gave the hogshead another heave-ho over the fence, hoping it would be the last time I saw it. Several months later, however, I returned home from work and found the cleanly preserved skull of a hog facing me on the top of our front steps i swear the empty eye sockets were saying thought you'd get rid of me huh maggie was clearly obsessed with this particular possession and i felt i would have to take special measures to ensure that she didn't hurt herself by chewing off sharp shards of the bone which might stick in her throat once again I had my son keep Maggie indoors while I carried the skull off with shovel in hand. This time I dug a hole in the woods and buried the skull in it. Apparently, the burial of the skull worked. Maggie never brought the skull up to the house again. Unfortunately, however, her bad habit, habit of uh, sniffing around the neighbor's trash eventually caught up with her. And as you probably know, dogs will lick any old disgusting thing they happen to come across from rotting hogs' heads to used baby diapers. You might want to think about that the next time Rover gives you a friendly lick. Anyway, I'm sorry to say that Maggie must have licked up some poison because she showed up sick one evening and died a few hours later. I buried her on the edge of our property, with a few of her doggy toys, sadly shaking my head as I thought of how appropriate it would be if her favorite toy, the pig face, was with them. A few days later, as I was driving up my long, curved driveway, I glanced fondly over toward Maggie's grave, an action that had become a daily ritual. I noticed something white, standing out in direct contrast with the brown patch of dirt which marked her grave. Curious, I stopped the truck and walked over to inspect it. You might guess what I saw sitting on that mound as if someone had carefully placed it there. That's right, a hog's skull. I guess old Maggie was determined that she was going to keep that prize after all. That's a weird story, huh? David Voiles, he called it Maggie and the Pig Face. And illustrator Tim Peterson put a little cartoon of a pig 
looking at a dog and and the dog looking at the pig and their little hearts floating around the two of them. <laughs> uh, what do you think? What category does stuff like that go into? Hmm? I mean, it, we're talking about real, physical, tangible stuff. It's not like we, you know, you see some phantom that vanishes, that glides away. Or some UFO overhead that shoots off into the distance. Or some creature that just sort of morphs into the bushes and trees. I don't know. Real stuff like this happens all the time. That was, But don't you think that's cool? My English teacher wrote that. I even have a story here that my little sister Jessica wrote. And uh, my sister is six years younger than me. And so she contributed to this book, and I don't even know if she would still remember this experience. It's called The Spirit of Easter. And I tell you what, we have to take a break soon. So um, I'll read this to you when we come back. It has to do with a haunted toy. Yeah, a haunted toy. Those stories are always interesting and creepy. Oh, yeah, and then here's this is a very strange one. Um, yeah, this is actually very fitting. A uh, one about, uh, well, an encounter with a person or was it? Yeah, this is good stuff. Uh, okay, well, let me remind you, if you like these kinds of things, you can always get in touch with me easily. Just go to joshuapwarren.com and you'll find my email address at the bottom of the homepage there. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren at Joshua P. Warren. That's because I am Joshua P. Warren. And you're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be right back after this. L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. With age, women and men have issues with fine lines, wrinkles, under-eye bags, crepey skin on the neck, and aging on the hands. Dr. Nathan Newman, doctor to top athletes and celebrities, plus creator of stem cell-based Luminesce, is proud to announce a much lower price on his products. Dr. Newman, tell me about the long-term benefit of Luminesce versus other store-bought products. The technology that we have is, comes from the factors and the polypeptides that the stem cells are producing. This is the language that the skin uses to talk to each other. And by using these products, you're maintaining the health and balance of the skin versus other products that we used to have before this technology came about was only putting something to cover the skin. It was never really to help to maintain the balance of the skin. So when we're using the Luminous Care line, we're going to continue to have a very healthy and beautiful looking skin that will be maintained and will continue to get better and better over time versus when you're using a moisturizer or when using most of the other products that we had before this technology you would only get sort of the moisturizer right there and then that was it. There was no long-term benefit. Thank you, Dr. Newman. For several years, we have offered Luminous products and decided a price reduction was in order so more can enjoy the amazing benefits of Dr. Newman's stem cell-based Luminous. Shop now at HealthyLooking.com or call toll-free 800-604-3129. If you would like to try Luminous, how about our starter kit, postage paid for $19.99? See the full line of products from Luminous. Plus our starter kit offer at HealthyLooking.com. That's HealthyLooking.com or call 800-604-3129. Luminous from HealthyLooking.com. The Art Bell Vault has classic audio waiting for you now. Go to CoastToCoastAM.com for details. Welcome back to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joshua P. Warren, and this is the show where the unusual becomes usual. Yeah, my little sister, Jessica, my only sibling, is six years younger than me, and here is what she contributed to my book, my anthology published in 1994 called Speaking of Strange, Residents of the Western North Carolina Mountains Tell of Their Encounters with the Unexplained. Jessica Warren of Asheville, North Carolina wrote, Watch out! The Easter Bunny may leave spirited presents. A while back as an Easter present, my aunt sent me an ordinary blue toy rabbit 
which could play music. I placed the rabbit on my dresser where it would not be disturbed. However, one night, about a week after I'd gotten it, I awoke to the sound of its chirpy tune in the darkness of my bedroom. I had not been around it all day, yet it began to play on its own. It wasn't only annoying, but creepy. After that, from time to time, the bunny would just start itself up again. For no reason, it would play its ghostly tune as if it possessed a mind of its own. Eventually, I had to place the bunny in my basement to gain peace. But still... Even now, I wake up in the night sometimes to hear its eerie melody creeping up from the empty basement below. Mm. I wonder if she still has that haunted bunny somewhere. I could use it, right? These days, put it in my collection. <laughs> of spooky haunted things that I do plan to put back on display someday. Probably here in Las Vegas. <laughs> so there you go. It runs in the family. Here's a story that I thought was uh, especially fitting for a book like this by, let's see, this was sent to me by Greta Shelton, who lived in Asheville, North Carolina. She wrote, I was a child in the 1950s, in those days, hobos still rode the boxcars and begged for food at the doors of houses in my neighborhood, which bordered the railroad tracks between West Haywood Street and the Smith Bridge. One evening, I went home to eat supper with one of my friends. It was the winter of 1958. My friend's family was poor, so the meal consisted of pinto beans, fried potatoes, and cornbread. It began to snow as we sat down to eat, and we watched the snow as we sat at the table. The kitchen windows were frosted a bit, but we could see the snow pouring down. Halfway through the mill, a knock came at the back door. It was indeed a hobo stopping to ask for a piece of bread and a drink of water. The ragged stranger was invited in, and brought to the table to eat with us. His plate was filled, and his cup poured full of steaming coffee. The man's hands wrapped around the hot cup, and he held it to absorb the heat. I noticed his fingers sticking through the tips of the gloves he wore. He ate as if he had not eaten in several days, and after finishing, he warmed himself by the stove. I noticed rags wrapped around his feet and rope tied to hold them on. He had barely spoken during the meal, but appeared to be at peace. After he grew warm by the fire, he looked around at all of us and said, It's time to go now. Thanks, and God bless you all. He went out the back door, down the steps to the yard, and disappeared. We walked out onto the porch and looked down at the yard to see which way he went. There were no footprints in the snow. The surface was smooth and glistening in the moonlight. For all the rest of my life, I have wondered about this incident. Who was this stranger? 
What was the purpose of his visit? Perhaps I will never know, but I have always believed in angels since that night. Huh. I bet. You know, it is funny how in the Bible, when people encounter angels, they don't know they're talking to an angel. Often the angel just looks like a normal person. Uh, there were some points in the Bible where uh, an angel says, yeah, I'm an angel. And the guy says, yeah, right. Prove it to me. And the angel has to do some magic tricks <laughs> to prove he's an angel. I guess that's why they say you better be careful when you're talking to somebody. You never know. You never know when you might actually be talking to an angel and you better treat them nice. Here's a story by Sarah Goforth. She sent this to me about an experience that she had also in Asheville, North Carolina. The The big old classic cemetery in Asheville is called Riverside Cemetery. That's where Thomas Wolfe is buried and uh, a lot of famous people. She wrote, in Riverside Cemetery in Asheville, North Carolina, you will find a marker for Barclay Bart Orr. So she's giving us a name here, the name of a man named Barkley or nicknamed Bart. Barkley Bart Orr, dated 1913. Not too far away, you'll also find a marker for James Goforth, my father. Both Bart and my dad were working for and with John Rumbaugh in his attempt to establish an automobile legacy in Asheville. The building in which they worked was on Broadway, opposite the Masonic Temple. In 1913, I was an only child. We were living at 63 Aura Street and attended church at Aura Street Presbyterian Church, right in sight of our house. Orr had a small child, Tommy, about my age. When the building on Broadway was finished, I recall going there to see it. There was a freight elevator used to get cars to the showroom on the street, floor, uh, the street floor level. It was also used to transport supplies and such that were delivered. One day, machinery was being installed, and Bart and Jim, my dad, were with a company representative installing a machine operated by high compression force. They needed a special tool, which was on another floor. Well, Jim turned and crossed the building to use the steps when there was a huge explosion. Dad said he whirled around and returned to the scene of the accident. Orr was seriously injured, but conscious. He asked my dad to, quote, hit him in the head with a hammer, end quote. Then he died as my dad held him. The company representative was blinded and later died. Orr was seriously injured, but conscious. Um, no, I'm sorry. Anyway, she uh, says, the building, which was later to be used by Morgan Wholesale, was also damaged. Dad said a metal plate from the machine was blown through two inside walls across Broadway and was later found in a vacant lot by the Masonic Temple. At our house, after the terrible accident, strange things began happening. One Sunday evening, my parents wondered about leaving the porch light on. 
When we went to church, the light was not on, and as we left church, however, we could see that the light had somehow turned on indeed. Sometime later, Dad said that he was awakened by strange sounds. One night he heard the sound of water running. He checked the bath on the second floor to find that everything was fine. He then realized that the sound was coming from the kitchen. In the kitchen downstairs, he found the faucet wide open. Later, a door between the living area and dining room had mysteriously locked with no key. We never found out exactly what caused such strange experiences, but for the rest of his life, my dad insisted that Bart was desperately trying to tell him something. And that's the end of that story. So you see, folks, you might say, oh, well, that was unsatisfying. Because we have this tendency to want to have a nice, you know, bow wrapped around the end of a story. But that's just not how reality works. This is a weird one. My okay, this is by Marie Murray Guy also from Asheville. She says the following story took place in World War II England. Today I have been thinking of my father's little man. Dad was very practical in a lot of ways. For instance, when the air raid sirens sounded to warn us of an air raid. While we were grabbing our blankets, important papers, a thermos flask of tea, items we always had ready each night, and rushing off to the nearest air raid shelter, Dad would say, Stay in bed, get some sleep. If it's a direct hit, no matter where you are, you've had it. And then closing the door after us, he would go off to bed. Twice we had near misses, and he was thrown out of bed. But he climbed back in and settled down to sleep again. Because the German bombers had started dropping small magnesium firebombs, Mother and I slept downstairs. But when the sirens sounded, we always went to the shelters. The night my father first saw his, quote, little man, I was in bed downstairs with a bad case of the flu. Mother was on war work and left to catch her bus at 10 minutes to 10 for the night shift. Dad stood at the front door watching Mother until she was out of sight. He was just about to come into the house when he said, quote, a very small man about two feet high, waddled past him and went to our neighbors next door. The little man knocked on the door and waited. During this time, Dad took stock of the stranger's appearance. When we come back from this break, I will tell you about that appearance. What did the little man look like, and why was he there? Hmm. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be right back. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. My name is Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com. Over five years ago, George Norrie approached me with a unique concept, a dating site for people searching for someone with interests in UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, and the paranormal. From that, ParanormalDate.com was born. It's a unique site for unique people, and it's free to join to look around. If you want to upgrade and enjoy more of our great features, use promo code GEORGE for a great discount. So check it out. You got nothing to lose. ParanormalDate.com. The Coast to Coast AM mobile app is here and waiting for you right now. With the app, you can hear classic shows from the past seven years, listen to the current live show, and get access to the Art Bell Vault where you can listen to uninterrupted audio. So head on over to the coasttocoastam.com website. We have a handy video guide to help you get the most out of your mobile app usage. All the info is waiting for you now at coasttocoastam.com. That's coasttocoastam.com. Welcome back to the final segment of this edition of Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren, and here is what Mary Murray Guy said about her father's little man. He wore typical Tyrolean clothing, short pants, green short sleeve shirt, suspenders, and a little hat with a feather on the side. And when there was no answer to the little fellow's knock, Dad called out to him, There is no one home right now. They both work and do not get home until after 11 o'clock. At this, the little man came to the door, pushed his way past my father, and entered the house. Dad came in all excited, saying, Hey, here, what you doing? Where's he gone? 
He looked at me and said, where's he gone? I said, sitting up in bed, where's who gone? Well, Dad had not been to his favorite pub and had nothing but a cup of tea, so I knew that if he said he'd seen a little man, he had seen something. He was not interested in dreams, omens, spiritualism, signs, etc., and whenever an old aunt came and we asked her to read our teacup, he always said, I'm surprised at you. Dad searched the house but found no one, no signs of a little man. Finally, he gave up, scratched his head, and sat down in his chair. Barely five minutes later, there was a knock at the door. Mr. Ainsworth, a voice called out, and Dad went to the door. I'm sorry, the voice continued, but your wife has had an accident. She fell and has broken her foot. She missed the bus and decided to walk, but fell as she crossed a field. She was lucky. A man also missed the bus and found her. She's been taken to the hospital and will be home some time later. The caller happened to be a man who knew us and had volunteered to call and give us the news. The hospital was full, mostly with air raid victims, so mother was brought home by ambulance about two hours later. There were two of us in bed with dad as our nurse. The second time the mysterious little man appeared was just three days later. Dad was in the toilet outside, and the door was suddenly pushed open, and there stood the little man again. He looked up at Dad, turned, and then disappeared from sight. Dad hurried into the house and stood at the foot of our bed, scratching his head as he always did when he was puzzled. We could tell something was wrong, and we waited for him to speak. I've seen that little fellow again, he said, and then proceeded to tell us what had transpired. Well, this was just too much for mother and me, and we burst out laughing. Dad was a little bit irritated at our laughter. He said, now I know that I have just seen that little man again, so you just laugh all you want to. And we looked at him, and I think we both believed him. The next day, there was a telegram from the West African Frontier Force Headquarters. Regret, Sergeant Smith died this morning. Sergeant Smith was my husband. His mother was never the same after she heard the news, and six months later, she died at the age of 48. And three days before she died, Dad saw his little man for the third and last time. Deep down, I believe in the little man, knowing my no-nonsense father, and because that I have had strange things happen in my life, too. What do you make of that, huh? I could maybe do a whole podcast about the significance of little people. Has something to do with fate, I suppose. Here's a story called A Fateful Encounter. John Owenby, Fairview, North Carolina. As close as I can remember, it was the fall of 1973 or 1974. I was working second shift and had gotten off at one o'clock. As I was coming home on Garen Creek Road in Fairview, I had a flat tire. And halfway through changing the tire, my flashlight went out. After exhausting the gas from my cigarette lighter, I gave up and decided to start walking. There was little or no traffic on the road at that time of morning. By then, it was probably about 2.30 in the morning. It was a dark night. 
and there was only enough light to make out the outline of the treetops. I was only about four miles from home, and as I walked along, I could see a dim outline of the road, except the areas where it was shaded by trees. I would walk along on the pavement, and I felt the grass and weeds brushing my ankles, and I knew I was near the edge of the road. About halfway home, I was in one of those pitch-black areas at the foot of the mountain. I coaxed one last light from my lighter as my eyes readjusted to the darkness, and then suddenly, there she was. It was a yellowish-blue glowing figure of a woman. She was wearing what appeared to be an old-fashioned style full-length dress with puffy sleeves. It tattered to rags and strips below her waist, and none of her body was visible below the dress. Her image floated a few feet above the ground. She appeared to be a young woman with long, straight hair. I froze in my tracks, having no idea what to do. After a few seconds, I asked her who she was and what she wanted. It was a dead, calm night with no breeze at all. Her dress, however, moved back and forth as if it was blowing in the breeze. Again, I asked her who she was and told her I was trying to get home. She pointed in the direction from which I had come. I could hear nothing, but her lips moved, telling me to go back. I wasn't going to argue. Scared silly, I took a few steps back, turned around, took a few more steps, and then glanced back, and when I turned and looked, she was gone. I started walking back towards my car, and after a few minutes, a man and his wife drove by and stopped. They picked me up, and as we pulled off, I started telling them what had happened. As I talked, I realized that they must have thought I was either on drugs or an escapee from an asylum. His wife had scooted almost onto her husband to the point that there was almost room for another person between us on the truck seat. <laughs> Despite the fact that they were scared of me, they stopped and let me out at my car where they shined their headlights so I could finish changing the tire. When I at last started to drive home, I stopped when I got to the spot where I had seen the woman. I got out of my car and I asked into the air once again, Who are you? What do you want? I heard or saw nothing. Then a few feet up the road, my eye caught the sight of something lying on the side of the road. I pulled my car closer. There, lying on the edge of the road, was a rattlesnake that had been run over. Inches away was its coiled-up mate right where I would have been walking. Yeah, gulp. I think I can squeeze in one more for you. Weaver Donaldson from Canton, North Carolina. In March of 1958, I was in the armed forces stationed at Fort Knox, Kentucky. I had been there for three weeks, and I was given a weekend pass. I and a friend from my hometown took the bus home on a Friday night. On Sunday, we were returning to base in my personal vehicle, a 1951 Ford Coupe. In those days, the law enforcement was not as it is today, and as the saying goes, I had the hammer down. The time was just past midnight, and my friend had gone to sleep. It was a lovely night. 
the moon was full, the heavens were filled with stars, and there was not a cloud to be seen. It was my first time driving that highway, and I had just passed through Corbin, Kentucky. I went into what seemed to be a long straightaway, and again I put the pedal to the metal. Then, all of a sudden, a flash of lightning came from nowhere, which I thought hit the top of the car. I slammed on the brakes and stopped. Being scared, I got out of the vehicle to discover that I was entering into a sharp left curve. I walked just a few feet ahead to find a massive ravine of such depth that I could not see the bottom. There was no guardrail. Neither my friend nor I would have survived the crash had it not been for the warning of a lightning bolt. Don't these kind of give you the goosebumps? What does it mean? I guess it means that all these stories mean we're not alone. Sometimes you see these things, they freak you out. They're creepy. They're spooky. Sometimes they reassure you and they bring you peace. But whatever they are, however we perceive them, these are indications that there's something very, very special about the realm we're living in, this mysterious paranormal universe. And if you pay attention, if you open your eyes and you open your mind, you might be surprised how many things are swirling around you to help you understand in some small way what's going on and to help guide you through this experience called life. Regardless of how we explain these things or just accept that we can't explain these things. I think that you can now understand pretty clearly why that stuff like this inspired me to continue pursuing paranormal investigation, to dig into the mysterious and the wondrous. And that's one reason, thanks to this book, that I'm such a curious person. That's it. For this edition of the show, follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren. Plus, visit JoshuaPWarren.com to sign up for my free e-newsletter to receive a free instant gift and check out the cool stuff in the Curiosity Shop all at JoshuaPWarren.com. I have a fun one lined up for you next time, I promise. So please tell all your friends to subscribe to this show and to always remember the golden rule. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon. You've been listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Well, if you like this episode of Strange Things, wait till you hear the next one. Thank you for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.